1: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, May 26th, and today we'll be diving back into the latest from the NBA playoffs, including another huge win for the Dallas Mavericks. The Lakers and the Nuggets evening things up in their respective series. We'll be getting into the box scores, looking ahead to Wednesday night's games as well. All of that and more coming up in just a second. As we welcome in everyone listening and everyone watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knauss, Steve Alexander. Steve, I was also to talk to you about your ongoing lemonade shortage there in North Georgia, but you dropped an even bigger bomb of a headline on me last evening. The Dr. A mullet is apparently gone. Yeah. Yeah, we
3: got a haircut. While we were on our quest for Simply Lemonade in North Georgia at all stores (laughs) that start with with the word wall... I ended up stumbling into a barbershop as well. So,
1: well, in a fitting turn of events, your video appears to be frozen. So, we actually can't even get you to turn <laughs> and show us the, you know, what we haven't seen in forever. That we, we've only known you with the mullet for over a year now. So, I guess we're going to have to wait for that until you're, oh, okay, you're on the move. But let's, you let me know when you're available to display the, uh, the new do. <laughs> Looks like okay. we're getting there but we might be buffering a little bit. Let's get into this action from Tuesday night. We got to start with the Mavs and the Clippers. The Mavs pulled off another one, 127 to 121 over the Clippers. Steve's Mavs do it again. Luka Doncic, 39 points, seven boards, seven dimes, seven turnovers, two for seven from the free throw line. Another tour de force across the board for Luka. The Mavs the a team, in a really weird term of events, Ryan, go 13 of 24 from the free throw line, and 18 of 34 on threes.
4: Yeah, that's going to be tough to beat, isn't it? Um, I mean, Luca. what surprises me is just I thought that with Kawhi and Paul George at their disposal, the Clippers you know, have a reasonable reputation defensively, even if they weren't always up to par throughout the course of the regular season. But Luca's just doing whatever he wants out there. Uh, and he's generating easy shots for his teammates. And as impressive as his scoring obviously was, uh, 39 points, on Tuesday. He, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. lit it up six threes, 28 points. That move putting him in the starting lineup looks like a mm-hmm. stroke of genius. Uh, the Mavs have really taken off w- with him in that spot. Uh, Josh Richardson coming off the bench. So, I, I mean, the Mavericks are an offensive juggernaut. Last year, they had historic offensive efficiency. They're approaching that level right now. And I mean, if the Clippers score 120 plus points and lose a game on their home court, they're in serious trouble. Do you guys
3: have me? Am I am I here? You're live, Steve. I think it, I need. I think my son is gaming, and that's probably <laughs> clogging up the interwebs here. Um, this is yeah. Th- this is your chance to to crow about picking the Mavs over the Clippers. I did pick the Mavs over the Clippers. I picked them in seven games. Sarah was like, and Steve just took the Mavericks because he wanted to be different, but um, <laughs> which is Ma- kind of true maxi cleaver it was kind of true it was kind of true but here we are uh maxi Kleber shooting at the beginning of that game i thought was was you know him and, and tim hardaway jr both were really clutch and when when cleaver's shot is on he's streaky so he was really good Porzingis was out there the whole game uh not complaining about his knee he was effective luca was was just a, a one-man wrecking crew and jalen brunson um, 17 really quality minutes. I, I'm surprised. I guess my biggest surprise out of this whole Clippers thing is how bad their defense looks. And the only one out there that's really scaring anyone is Patrick Beverly. And and Luka's really not scared of, of Patrick Beverly um, because like, I think when he gets all in his face, Luka just finds open people to throw it to. And I think the other thing that's, that's great about this series is the Clippers lost to... The Rockets and the Thunder to close out their season because they didn't want to play the mm-hmm. Lakers.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: They wanted Dallas. And if there's anything we've learned about the Mavericks over the last season's worth of games against the Clippers, is they're just not scared of Kawhi Leonard or the Clippers. They're, they, I'm not saying they're yeah. better than them, but they're not. They're not intimidated. They're not scared.
4: It's one thing you mentioned, Pat Beverly, and the Mavs are doing a great job of switching things and forcing, basically, they want Beverly on, on Luca because mm-hmm. his style of game, his pesky, you know, it's not going to bother Luca. No. no one can speed him up and he's too big. Bev's not going to move him and he's, you know, he could just shoot right over the top of him. Can and will and, and has. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're playing right into the Mavs' hands.
2: There
1: were multiple plays where Luca just shook off Beverly like he was nothing and got to the basket. It was was very noticeable. This game, by the way, was 73-71 Clippers at halftime. Slowed down a lot in the second half. 35 threes in the first two games for the Mavs. One of those was a Luca one-footed runner in, I think, a two-for-one situation. That was just a crazy shot that ends up being probably pretty big in this game at the end of the third with like 30-something seconds left on the clock. I was like, what are you doing? You know, you of course everyone loves a two for one, but that was just insane and he drained it. Well, and the other thing about this
3: game, it was 73-71 at halftime. It was sort of, you know, like eight to ten point game for most of the fourth quarter. Had Dallas just made some free throws, that game's over by the end of the third quarter. But Luka couldn't hit him, THJ couldn't hit him. So had they made free throws, it would have been it wouldn't have been as stressful to watch. And that's one of the things I was on Twitter like Man, the Mavericks have a 10 point lead or a 12 point lead and have a good chance to close out this game right now. And then, you know, Lucas, Lucas shoots a three and misses. Somebody else rushes a shot. And it, their ability to close out games always concerns me. But then after, after a few bad shots, and, and once the Clippers got back in the game, they started going inside. Like Lucas should be going to the hole when they're trying to close out games instead of shooting fadeaway threes.
4: Although that, that one running three-pointer was truly a thing of magic. And it happened to be at a moment, it was late in the Lakers game because those games were staggered, and I was flipping mm-hmm. back and forth between them, and Luca hit that shot. Then I flipped to the Lakers, and LeBron hit one of his patented, ridiculous step-back, turn-around fadeaways. And I was mm-hmm. like, "What? how spoiled are we as, as NBA fans right now? Just flipping from channel to channel and witnessing this level of greatness.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Speaking of wild jumpers, Kristaps Porzingis, who had 20 points, three steals, two blocks, three threes. One of those threes was a hilarious bounce high into the rafters and then splashed in. Also hit a really deep one. So Porzingis looking better in game two than he did in game one. Meanwhile, for the Clippers, they get 41 from Kawhi, 28, 12 boards, six dimes from Paul George. But the same depth issue, Rears its head in a serious way, Ryan. Reggie Jackson scores 15. No one else in double figures for the Clippers. And they can't get uh, Kawhi and Paul George have been good, but can't get any help.
4: Yeah, I mean, Zubats was great during the regular season. He's given them nothing. Serge Ibaka missed so much time. He did look good when he returned late in the season, but he only played six minutes. Yeah. Uh, Gave them absolutely nothing off the bench. Rajon Rondo, you know, steady playmaker. When the Clippers need him coming off the bench, but he's not a guy who's going to put the team on his on the you know on his back. You're right. It's tough. It's a, a two man game, and who is going to step up? It's not you know Bev is not a natural scorer, so if you have a guy like Morris isn't scoring the ball. Reggie Jackson scored 15, but he needed 12 shots to get there. So uh, again, I think what we said at the top holds true. It's really about their defense. It's they're going to generate points. They were super efficient all season long. The Clippers that is, but man, if they can't make luca work a little bit harder than this uh
1: they're gonna lose this series quickly the you mentioned marcus morris he's five for 17 in two games i believe in this series shot three of nine and fouled out in this fouled out of this one and and call me crazy but luke Kennard's healthy right i know that he's kind of been in and out of the doghouse all season i mean i feel like we're at the point where the clippers may want to thaw out luke Kennard. get someone who can be instant offense into the game
3: yeah, I mean, it's not going to be Patrick Patterson and Mar- Mar- the Marcus Morris that was in Lucas head last year uh, during the playoffs and was was actually one of the key players for the Clippers last playoffs uh, really hasn't done anything. And I don't really expect him to going forward. And it, Zubac has been super quiet. So I they need to find more offense and they need to play better defense. But I don't know where they're going to. I don't know where either of those is going to come from. Yeah, because that's like
4: Canard, you know, his main selling point is offense. He can shoot shoot the cover off the ball. But the Clippers shot 54% last night and they shot... 40% 40% from deep. Uh, they just also allowed the Mavs to shoot almost 59%. and fifty. I mean, the Mavs shot 53% from deep. This was after game one when they shot, I believe, 45% or something like that. And Cunard's not going to help them defensively. So I, I think that's really the problem with leaning on like, oh, well, maybe dust him off. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure.
1: All right, well, we're going back to Dallas with the Clips down 2-0. Uh, we'll see if the Clippers can fight back into this. Meanwhile, the game you mentioned a minute ago, Ryan, the Lakers get back into this series, beating the Suns 109-102. And really, I think we have to start with Anthony Davis. After a bad game one, when he shot five for 16, he absolutely went off on Tuesday. 34 points, 10 boards, seven dimes, three blocks, two threes, 18 for 21 from the free throw line. The Lakers get the 34 from Anthony Davis, 23 from LeBron, 24 from Dennis Schroeder, 15 and 12 from Andre Drummond, and a grand total of 13 points from their bench, Steve. What stood out to you in this game overall?
3: Well, Dennis Schroeder, I thought, was really, really good. Anthony Davis, obviously, was really good. Andre Drummond was surprisingly effective last night with him and, and Anthony Davis both out there doing damage instead of clogging each other up. It, they looked a lot better, I thought. Um, one thing that was weird is I had, I had a weird DFS over-under on LeBron's points And LeBron was sitting on 18 points for that game for the entire second half. And then he finally hit – he hit two shots that I recall. The the fadeaway that Ryan mentioned earlier that was insane. And then a three-pointer late that was huge. But other than that, he was just kind of out there being a decoy. And it makes me wonder um, if his ankle is still a problem because it probably is. Now, his numbers are fine. Nine of 16, 23, nine assists. Mm -hmm. But he just was not engaged offensively in the second half of that game, which I thought was kind of weird.
4: Yeah, and the Lakers did say even when LeBron returned, I think it was Frank Vogel who said that they had wished or LeBron wished that he had an extra week or two to really get to to that place where he can make all his normal moves. So there might be some hesitation there, maybe he just doesn't want to overwork it by by driving as much as he usually does, absorbing as much contact as he usually does. Uh but we saw, I mean when when he scores as needed and otherwise is just a facilitator, the Lakers can still be Really dangerous. And LeBron himself even said that he viewed game one of this series as a feel out game. So I get the sense, you know, he looked much more comfortable even in game two, I thought. And you just get the sense that he's ramping up. And, you know, in another game or two, we'll see full on playoff LBJ.
1: Meanwhile, on the Phoenix side of things, Chris Paul, I think, is the big headline in a lot of ways. Six points, five assists in 23 minutes. After the game, head coach Monty Williams said basically, Chris Paul is missing a lot of the game. As I said, only 23 minutes. Monty Williams said, I took him out. That was all me looking at him. Hold his arm the way he was holding it. I just couldn't watch him run like that. He was trying to make plays. He battled. He is a warrior. We all know that. Ryan, this is pretty ominous news. Am I I overstating how ominous this sounds and seems for Phoenix's chances?
4: No, not at all. Um, I mean, you're talking about the engine of the team that led them to due respect to Devin Booker. But obviously, Chris Paul's impact can't can't even be measured in stats really this season uh so you and it it's so unfortunate because there's just a fluke shoulder injury is you know they call it a stinger who knows the real extent of it but obviously cp was passing up wide open shots i mean he's getting his normal penetration into the paint and then just kind of pausing and looking around who am i going to give it to i took an, an over under easiest wager of the night probably under one and a half threes for Chris Paul I was like this guy can't even lift his shoulder there's no way he's hitting a couple threes uh, so that, that one paid off nicely but no I, I think the Suns are in serious trouble I mean they tried to put him back in the fourth as Coach Monty Williams said he just couldn't play the game at the level necessary and that it
3: spells doom if you're Phoenix you know Ryan some people some people call uh, that injury a stinker <laughs> is that right? I think we, we had, had a, a we had uh, a typo <laughs> on the in his blurb it called his stinger a stinker and uh hilarity <laughs> ensued it was it was it was fantastic. It's fixed. We fixed it. But uh yeah, I mean, Chris Paul and, and back to something we talked about the other day, Matt, is he the engineer or the conductor of the Phoenix oh, wow. Suns train because either way they're just not going to be able to to win a series without Chris Paul and it was really interesting last night watching him sit on the bench for as long as he did. I think Reggie Miller even said, man, I, I think Chris Paul's done for the night. He's not even going to put him back in. Yeah, And I think Monty was just saving him for as long as he could and be like, okay, go give me one last shot here. But the good news is Cam, Cam Payne looks pretty good, and he's kind of fun to watch. I think Cameron Payne, if Chris Paul's going to be you know playing with one arm the rest of the way, Cam Payne's a guy you'll want in your DFS lineup Going forward, Jay Crowder took a shot to the batteries. Yes,
1: he did. Yes, he uh, did.
3: Right off the opening tip of the game, courtesy of uh, Anthony Davis's like size 19. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that did not look pleasant. And no. he was able to stay in there and play through it, though. But our guy, DeAndre Ayton, again, two games in a row where he looks like a different player yeah. than he did three weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Following up on a few things you just said, Steve Aiton is twenty-one for twenty-four in this series. Wow, with Crowder and Anthony Davis, it's not often that you see a guy commit a shooting foul, get kung fu kicked in the crotch, <laughs> a, a, resulting in a flagrant one on the guy who got fouled in the first place. So that is uh, that's a that's a play to bookmark. That that's a special play right there. And lastly, campaign, yeah, a, an interesting DFS target, nineteen point seven dimes, but again, just. If that's what it's coming to for Phoenix big big trouble for the Suns do you like do you see signs from Aiton because obviously he was
4: a fantasy disappointment this season um last night you know or throughout the two games of the series really Phoenix has been looking for him more in the post last night he only had two of his shots were outside of the exact restricted area I mean he especially early in the game he was getting dunk after dunk after dunk mm-hmm. uh as well as Andre Drummond played defensively may have left something well. to be desired uh, <laughs> but uh, so, do you see anything from Aiden in, in these, you know, small sample size? But it, it, are the Suns using him differently? Is there something encouraging that would that would make you draft him uh, closer to the top thirty range where he was
1: going this year? To me, my initial response is no. I, we saw we've seen Aiden have big games during the regular season. It's not like he never did it. There were Ramp. stretches, short stretches, where he would do these kind of things, and I don't really see it. Like I, I believed he could be something like you know, a 19 or 20 and 10 guy this year, it never materialized. And I guess I probably would be drafting him with a with a slightly, that lower floor in mind, maybe more like 17 and 10, 17 and 11 kind of thing, which is still valuable. I just think I'm done thinking, all right, this is the year he makes yeah. the jump and he probably will once I stop uh, believing that he will.
4: Well, to, to bolster your skepticism through these two games, he has a combined one assist, one block, zero steals.
3: Yeah. Somebody said to me on Twitter the reason that Aiton is playing so well is because Chris Paul's not out there screaming at him after every play, which I thought was (laughs)
4: hilarious.
1: He did take a lot of heat. Okay, well, Game 3 is Thursday. A short turnaround for Chris Paul and the Suns with that shoulder injury as the series heads back to L.A. Meanwhile, quickly, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one because this game was pretty gross if you're not a Nets fan. The Nets take a 2-0 series lead, 130-108 to over the Celtics as I said, borderline unwatchable unless you're a Nets fan. I mean, it was a 24-point game at halftime. Every time Boston would make a little bit of noise, the Nets would just kind of flip it over to KD or sometimes Kyrie and just basically get a bucket at will and and stop the beginnings of any run. So just a totally dominant performance by the Nets. Harden goes for 20, didn't have to do a lot. Kyrie barely had to work, goes for 15, 6, and 6. Durant, an effortless 26, 8, and 5 with four blocks. Joe Harris... Just went nuts in the first half with 22 points. Steve, anything to say about this one? I believe your text back to me when I texted you about this game was horrible. (laughs)
3: Um, My
1: son walked in
3: during the game and and looked at the TV and said, who's that bald guy? And I said, that's Evan Fournier. He's like, oh, wow, cool. He plays for Boston? Uh, And I said, yeah. And then Jason Tatum, you know, thanks for the nine points. Got hit in the eye, left early. Shot three of 12. Had him in a DFS lineup, clearly that did not go well. Just like like you said, Matt, and I, I hate to say this, uh, unless you're there to watch Robert Williams do stuff, the Time Lord, I just it's almost unwatchable unless you're just a Boston homer. Or, I mean, unless you're a, a Brooklyn fan who loves to watch the Nets play.
4: Yeah, well, without Jalen Brown, I mean, this series obviously is over. I had recorded this one. I was thinking maybe I'd you know watch it, skip through commercials this morning. Didn't need to. Uh, so yeah. I don't have anything to comment on in terms of the actual gameplay. This is obviously a classically overmatched two seven. So
3: yeah, when they when they broke the huddle, um, I heard the Celtics say uh, Cancun. So. <laughs>
1: Marcus Smart did hit a barrage of threes in this one. got hot. He led Boston with 19 points. But, yeah, hard to see how Boston even gets a game at this point with this thing going back to their home floor.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the Celtics wanted Kemba, like, right, all season. Kemba Walker will be healthy, be his play, himself for the playoffs. And, sadly, maybe this is what Kemba just looks like now, even at, at full strength. He You know, 20-plus 20, 20 points is kind of his ceiling right now, I
3: think. And the, the TV the- – the TNT crew was like, man, I like the way the Celtics have come out this second half in the beginning of the third quarter. They look a lot better. I mean, they lost 130 to 108. Like, yeah, they looked better, but they it's still a, look like trash. It's a
4: long game, Steve. Those commentators have a lot of time to fill. <laughs> they want hope. We
1: all want hope when we're watching a game yeah, they like They to that. make it interesting.
2: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken
3: sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if
1: you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: NBC Sports Edge wants to remind you that Red Nose Day is Thursday, May 27th. Find out how you can donate to support life-changing programs for children living in poverty at www.rednoseday.org. We also want to remind you that our premium product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports, so you can get access to NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB premium products all under one umbrella. For ten percent off any subscription, enter the promo code Stu Ten. Fellas, let's quickly rewind to Monday and let's get this other big blowout out of the way. The Bucks smoked the Heat, one thirty-two to ninety-eight, behind a forty-six to twenty opening quarter. I think it was forty-six to eighteen right before the quarter ended. Giannis had a dominant line, 31, 13, and 6. Drew Holiday had 15 assists. Bryn Forbes was hitting everything, 22 points and six threes in 20 minutes off the bench. Jimmy Butler, a quiet four for 10. Ryan, he is now eight for 32 in this series as things are looking quite bleak for the Heat. And you guys made, I don't know if you guys remember, but you guys made me pick them to win this series on the playoff preview show. And uh, a little resentful (laughs) of that. And I don't know why you guys forced me to do that.
4: Well, sorry about that, Matt. Um, I did thought this series would last a while. Put it that way. I thought it was going to be six games, seven games. But game one was Miami's chance, right? They mm-hmm. forced forced overtime. If I remember Steve saying on that uh, live playoff preview that Giannis's free throw shooting could be a big issue and cost the Bucks a game. And game one was that game. They had so many yep. chances to ice it. Giannis missed critical free throws, allowed Miami back into it, but they couldn't hold on. Middleton hits that game winner. And it looks like maybe some of that uh, vim and vigor has gone out of the heat because they got just crushed the other night. Uh, it's hard to see them coming back from that. The, the Bucks just look great right now. I mean, if they're getting this much supporting play, and that's the key. Like Middleton hit that game winner the other night. Drew Holiday was a machine on Tuesday. Had 50, fifteen assists. Uh, if they're going to get Bryn Forbes scoring big, Bobby Portis scored scored well in game one. Uh, so you know the the pieces are there. They have sufficient depth. Pat Connaughton shooting really well from deep. That's huge for them. Uh, they're just a well-built, well-built team. And as we've seen in what they tried to do all season, they've skewed a little bit away from Giannis. So all of the pressure isn't on him. And not that it matters when you're blowing out teams by 34 points.
3: Yeah. And I think the Heat are a much worse defensive team this year than they were last year. Yeah. I think the Bucks are a better defensive team than they were last year. I think the Bucks are a better offensive team than they were last year. We haven't seen Jimmy Buckets. Playoff Jimmy is nowhere to be found. Dwayne Dedman Leading your team in game two of the first round of the playoffs. Matt, yeah. you're, you're Miami, <laughs> led by Dwayne Dedman.
1: Uh, hey, hope you, I, I hope you're happy. <laughs> I will say this. I do think that Miami can still get back in this. I'm not saying that it looks good for them, but I do think they've got a shot to to get a game, get a game or two here and make it interesting. I'm not fully writing this team off the way I am the Celtics, is all I'm saying.
3: I'll say no, it, this is Vince Carter dunk contest over. This it, is yeah, done.
4: It looks like the Bucks have their number. This is the first time in 20 consecutive games that Miami hadn't scored 100 points in game two. Uh, the Bucks also had 61 rebounds. Miami had 36. I don't think <laughs> I've ever seen that before. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> they out-rebounded them by 25. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll. We'll yeah. next time we oh, can so we'll see. You're doubling down on that on the heat. No, I'm this not. This isn't I'm, our fault. Let the record show this is not Steve and I. Tape. He is he right now,
3: right now he is mcgruber running towards the van that's on fire. Giannis, Or no right. uh not Janis. The the Jimmy. Jimmy, you
4: guys okay in there?
1: All right. Well, hey, by the way, Ryan, I've been podcasting with you for a long time. I don't think I've ever heard you use the phrase vim and vigor. So, I just wanted to, to flag that as well. That was okay. enjoyable. Uh, meanwhile, the other game from Monday, and we have, our, we have ourselves a series here between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Denver was pretty commanding in game two. Won it 128 to 109, despite Damian Lillard going absolutely nuts. 42 points, 10 dimes, nine threes, eight of them in the first half. Denver got 38, eight, and five from Jokic, leading six players in double figures. Uh, Ryan, what are you looking for in game three of this series on Thursday? I think you and I both picked... Portland to win it yep. while Steve picked Denver did game two change the math for you on this series are you still feeling like Portland you know has the edge or does this feel a little more like wow this is kind of a coin flip now
4: close to a coin flip but for sure Portland still has the edge right they came out uh and took a game in in Denver so hold home court and, and you're going to the next round so I I love it and I think Portland you know this game was still the, the final score doesn't look all that competitive but they were in this game And that's despite getting absolutely nothing, really, from anyone who wasn't Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum. And that's not going to be the case all that often. Uh, Obviously, Melo had a big game one, was very quiet in game two. But I think they'll they'll go back to their home court, get more from those supporting players. And that's really going to tell the tale, right? You know that Jokic is going to play at an MVP level. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't fantastic in game two, but still played fairly well, 18 points as their second leading scorer. It's going to be the role players and who steps up uh, and supports the stars. And I, yeah, I lean toward the Blazers. I think Nurk will give them more, uh, you know, Robert Covington had three points in game two, et cetera. No one on the bench scored more than five points. So I don't expect to see that again.
1: Weird to see Robert Covington disappear. Steve, <laughs> do you, uh, where are you now with your nuggets, Steve, after game two?
3: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, my, my guy, Compazzo, Combined always. with Mon- combined, with- <laughs> combined- is name first. I love it. <laughs> combined with Monty Morris, they had 24 points and 13 assists. That's good. Jokic, of course, went crazy as usual. MPJ was out there doing his thing. Didn't shoot it very well, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Better than one of, one of ten three pointers like he had in Game One. And then Aaron Gordon and Paul Millsap both showed up a little bit. So as long as everybody's contributing. I think the Nuggets are like, let's just let Lillard do whatever he wants and try to stop everybody else. And that may be a good plan. I'm not sure. But uh, I feel a lot better than I would have had the Nuggets not won game two. Let's
1: put it that way. All right. Looking ahead to Wednesday night, we're going to get a quick thought on all three games. We'll start with the Hawks and the Knicks. This one has gotten kind of wild in terms of game one was a very exciting game and things have gotten Very interesting off the floor as well. As you may know by now, the the mayor of New York City is complaining about Trey Young drawing fouls. Mm -hmm. They are apparently chanting F Trey Young at Yankees games. Uh, The Knicks are favored (laughs) by two points in game two. I can't even evaluate this game rationally at this point, Steve. I'm kind of expecting the Knicks to bounce back. I'm expecting better things from Julius Randle, but I need someone to step in and start this off. Steve, what are your initial thoughts on game two? Well, I mean...
3: it's kind of weird. I've been telling everybody this before this season or before this series even started. This totally felt like Reggie Miller, Indiana Pacers, 1990s versus the Knicks. And it quickly escalated into exactly that. The, that F.U. Trey uh, at the very beginning of that game kicked it off. Uh, Trey's antics during the game, which to me, Trey Young is not necessarily a foul hunter I kind of felt like listening to De Blasio talk about Trey Young was a little bit like when the guy running for president, I can't think of his name, called it a basketball ring. It's like stick to stick to what you know. And know we have a we have an interpreter using taxpayer money of 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 Trey stopping Trey Young. I just thought it was kind of <laughs> hilarious and interesting and weird. And now they're chanting that at Yankees game. So the, the thing is, is Trey Young does he have that Reggie Miller mentality where this gets him fired up and makes him even more of a weapon and makes him even angrier? I think he is that guy. I yeah. think Trey Young is going to go off in Game Two. I don't know who's going to win the series. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I know it's going to be super fun to watch, and I know that it is going to be another. It's just going to be another war. I expect every single one of these games in the series to be a war and I also expect uh the Knicks to try to rough up Trey Young yeah the Knicks
4: the Knicks are a physical team they're gonna you know muddy up this game as you said bring it this whole Trey Young subplot off the court I love it like it was so much fun at the end of game one he hit that big shot and he's shushing the crowd and and yelling at, at the haters and he said afterward that like he's aware of the history of players coming in and becoming public enemy number one in MSG, and he wants that. Uh, yeah. So I, I love it. I mean, as I'm with you, I think he's he's built for these moments, and he's going to bring the fire. Whether that results in another win, I don't know. It's Yeah, this is a very tough series to evaluate. I think, I think we all kind of agreed that the Hawks have more talent on paper. But I don't know. I mean, the Knicks only lost by two points in game, one on a night that Julius Randle shot 6 yeah. of 23 from the field. Yeah, that's uh, what's so, scary. That's yeah, what's so, scary. If I, you know, I would take the Knicks to to even up this series here.
1: It's funny that, yeah, yeah, that Julius Randle thing is big. I, I would be shocked if Randle doesn't bounce back in a big way. Fresh off winning, most improved player. I'm basically expecting by about 5 p.m. today to the mayor to pass a city ordinance saying Trey Young is not allowed to make more than eight free throws <laughs> in any given game. So I've got my eyes out for that. Um, Maybe
4: Trey yeah, you- will have to wear a mask and nobody else does. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think you guys hit, yeah, I think you guys hit the big storylines there. It's going to be an absolute blast to watch this game. So, yeah, I I do think the Knicks have a good shot to get it back. And I I think it'll be really interesting to see whether, you know, you guys are saying Trey Young is that guy, and I agree with you, but will he play within himself like he did in game one? Because part of what he did in game one is he really controlled the game. He wasn't jacking up that many wild jumpers or trying to, you know, looking for highlights, hunting for highlights. He was just playing... In the system, playing his game, getting to the paint relentlessly. I think he has to keep doing that, as opposed mm. to try to put on a show at the Garden. I think that would play into the Knicks' hands to some extent.
3: What is the over/under for Julius Randle points tonight? That I'm not put-
4: sure. In the, I could find out. In the meantime, no. I'm saying guys- what, what, like, what do you think? What do, oh, what do you guys oh. think? 20, I think he'll score 28
1: points. Yeah, I was thinking 25. On the yeah, I'm gonna go tw- 20.
4: He averaged 39 points against them in three regular season games. And he shot six of 23 in game. I, yeah, I think he could go off tonight.
3: I'm going 20. Brian, right. did you have a point uh, you want to
4: bring up there? Oh, I was just wondering, if, do you think it's defensible to continue starting Alfred Payton? He's, his minutes have dwindled and dwindled. He played eight minutes in game one. Why is he starting the game?
1: I, I don't know. They, just, they, they like Derrick Rose coming off the bench. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the other reason would be.
3: Now the last I saw, he was non-committal to who he was going to start at point guard. Is that have they said it's going to be? Peyton? Oh, he could
1: mix it up again. Okay. Like I don't nope. think Peyton I don't think Peyton will start game two. Do you think we've seen the last of Frank Nielakina as the designated last-second trace stopper after he got stopper? crossed over like three times on that play?
3: <laughs> it's kind of not fair to Nielakina <laughs> yeah, to bring know. him in and throw him into that blender like that. But I know, I know, it's not. You know, every time, every time this year when I ripped. Neil Akina in some form or fashion on Twitter, I would get like 20 replies back like, you don't even watch the game. He's the best defensive guard in New York and yada, 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 yada. But whatever, he's, he's still Frank Neil Akina. Wow. Hopefully we've seen the last of it
1: listen I I just think we should take we're going to move on from this game in a second I just want a closing thought here I think we should just take a second to enjoy this because it's not every playoff series we get that's this heated has this much drama going on on and off the court and this is we're only in game two so I mean this is great theater and I want this one way or the other to go seven games I mean if you told me the Hawks are going to win in six I would sign up for that but let's go seven this thing's amazing agreed all right less amazing unless you're a Sixers fan, is this Wizards-Sixers series. Philly favored by eight points in game two. This is just feeling a little bit, maybe not as extreme as the uh, Boston-Brooklyn series, but this is just feeling like one of the best teams in the league against a team that, you know, scrapped to get into the playoffs. And it just feels like maybe the Wizards can somehow steal a game, Ryan. This one has has much less intrigue for me than most of the others.
4: I think it'll be a sweep. Uh, the Wizards are a play-in special. they It's miraculous <laughs> what they did in the second half of the season to even put themselves in that position. And they got helped yeah. by other teams not caring at all down the stretch. They're just so top-heavy. Like, you look at the roster that Westbrook and Bradley Beal have dragged. Not to talk down on Daniel Gafford, of course. Please, uh, careful. <laughs> He's their third star, naturally. But but no, I mean, the rest of the roster, it's like, what, what are these guys doing in the postseason?
3: Yeah, uh, wake me up when that one is over. Uh, I'm not very clear. I'm, I'm actually blurbing these games tonight by myself. And that one, that Washington Philly game, which is going to end up being the bane of my existence, is going to end like with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Knicks Hawks game, and I'm going to be expected to go update you on what Danny Gafford did immediately after that game is over. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just guess there might be a, a slight delay tonight in that, uh, in that Washington blurb cycle
1: coming out uh, immediately. I, just, I don't like the way either of you is talking about Daniel Gaffer right now. I just want to say that. <laughs> uh, he, so, is your, so,
3: he is your compaso.
1: <laughs> well, we do have some intrigue in Utah where the Jazz are actually favored by nine in game two, presumably getting back a Donovan Mitchell who was not pleased about being a late scratch before game one due to that ankle issue. What are you expecting here, Ryan? I mean, does that nine points Make you think that, uh, yeah. What what what's your outlook on this game
4: too? Overall, uh, does the nine points make me think? I I don't know, but I've loved uh, wagering on the Grizzlies to beat the spread this season. They seem to always hang in there. Super tough team. I took them against the spread in game one. That played out nicely, obviously. But th- they're just a really deep, well coached team that doesn't. You know, if, if a team manages to shut down John ja Morant, they could still win a game. They're not that top heavy uh valanchunas i think is is undervalued kyle anderson obviously having just an absolute breakout of a season but like i said they have depth a lot of young guys stepping into big roles Uh, so i i quite like them i would take them against that spread and donovan mitchell returning is great but now you have to i mean that's a big change not not one that they're unfamiliar with obviously but it changes the way that they've been playing for the better part of a month I believe when's the last time Yeah, April
1: 16th it's been it's been a month and 10 days basically
4: there you go so that's a long layoff I mean he could be rusty the team may even if they're slightly disjointed that puts you you know uh, on your back heels to begin the game so not that I'm concerned uh, about how the Jazz will play but sure I think Grizzlies with nine points in their favor I'll take that
3: you know, I'd like to know who made the decision to hold Donovan Mitchell out of game one. I mean, if he was oh, literally like he was hot, he is really mad that they did not let him play. And whoever made that decision, what are they saving him for? Do they think he could have further injured himself? I mean, I don't think I don't think he he was in risk of hurting himself further, so. I'd like to know who made that decision and whether that person was aware that we were in the postseason.
1: <laughs> because it, yeah, or is it Steve underestimating the opponent? Was it taking the Grizzlies too lightly? Well, we can still get Game One without Mitchell. We can buy ourselves a few more days
0: here.
3: Yeah, and the other thing that hasn't we haven't mentioned here at least that I thought was really cool. I don't know if you guys saw Joe Ingles present Jordan Clarkson with the six Man of the Year award. Surprised him on TV. It was it was really. I didn't, a, a cool way to do it. And um, it just made them look like best friends and made Joe Ingles look like a great teammate. Joe Ingles is a guy and Jordan Clarkson, both are guys that are going to take a hit with Donovan Mitchell coming back tonight. And they're going to have to find a way to stay relevant with him back out there. But Memphis to me is like, that should be a team where I'm like, Oh, wake me up when this is over. But I kind of like watching them play. I kind of like the fact that they won game one and they could shock the Jazz in the series. Like like we've said, the Jazz are not the most intimidating number one seed in the West we've ever seen.
4: No. Do you... I, I didn't even mention Dylan Brooks, and obviously he scored 30, 31, I think, in, in game one. He did. Yeah. And, I mean, that was sort of an out-of-body experience for him. He was hitting some ridiculous shots playing was. like... Like, yeah, it was nuts. But uh, does that change your view on him kind of long-term. Like I, I had to become a believer to some extent uh, in Grayson Allen this season, for instance. I was very skeptical early on. And then I was like, all right, well, if he's going to keep doing this and you watch games, he's just a sniper from from deep. He's getting enough minutes. Fine, I'll, I'll pick him up in a couple leagues. I feel the same way about Dylan Brooks. Like I've never really bought into him, mm-hmm. but watching him play at this level, is he a guy who can be a number two scorer on a really good playoff team?
3: what's what's going to be the key is how he plays the rest of this series and the rest of these playoffs and then what that does to him mentally going into next year because if he goes into next season believing in his mind that he's the best player on his team and that he can score on anybody and he's he's a defensive stopper which people are telling him all of this stuff all the time now um you know confidence is a big thing and he could be a completely different player next season so i've always been like to I me, mean, Brooks is the guy, like, you're, you're out there at 3 o'clock in the morning looking at your waiver wire. You've got a guy, some dead weight you want to drop, and you're like, oh, Dylan Brooks has scored 20 points in three straight games. Let me go grab him. And, you know, you don't, you don't realize he shot, you know, 29% and didn't have any steals or threes. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's playing really well, and he's, his defense is really going to be key in this series, and that's going to that's gonna help him mentally, too.
1: Yeah, I think he's a guy who I can't remember. Maybe maybe you were saying this the other the other day, Steve. He's a guy who's better in real life than he is in fantasy. He has moments in fantasy stretches where, you know, he's really helping your fantasy team. and Then he has stretches where he's really not helping it. You know, poor shooting, et cetera. Right. When he goes when he goes into a cold streak. So to me, he's like a hit or miss player, a little bit in real life and in fantasy. Um, it's impressive how much of a role he's carved out for himself in the league and how much you know he's kind of becoming a name. I think he was a second round pick. If I remember correctly, but ultimately, yeah, it's not changing my perception of Brooks in terms of fantasy. If that's what you're asking, Ryan, I'm not going to vault him into anything other than like a late round flyer still, because I just think that, you know, there's too many things that go wrong for him um, in terms of, you know, the shot being off, et cetera, during stretch of the season.
4: Yeah. And you you kind of hinted at his hollow stat lines and I just checked he had two steals and two blocks in game one of the series. That's something he had done twice
1: all of the regular season. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, kind of a fluke quickly before we get out of here, returning to uh, Utah, we've seen, we saw LeBron, for example, after that long absence to the high ankle sprain, come back and put a, put up a pretty decent line in his first game back. Nothing spectacular, but, but solid, you know, if you're, as you're approaching DFS for Wednesday night, would you dare throw Donovan Mitchell into a DFS lineup? Start with you, Steve. How, how bold are you willing to be here
3: for the price tag that he's going to cost me? I'm probably not going to be very bold. If it's if if it's just an over under situation, is he going to score more than twenty one points? I might be comfortable doing something like that with him, but as far as a straight up, you know, Fanduel DraftKings situation, I don't. He's been out for a month. I think he's going to be too rusty for, for the amount of money he's going to cost.
4: He costs 8000 8, on Fanduel yeah. in salary. Yeah, in Fanduel, so that's slightly more than teammate Mike Conley slightly more than Bogdanovich, uh, same exact price as Rudy Gobert. I'm with Steve. I I will be staying away from him, especially since we saw Utah's training staff decide to not play him at all in game one against his wishes. And it was reported subsequently that uh, Mitchell switched from Utah's training staff to his own private (laughs) Uh, medical team, not, not after this, but even before it. Oh, good. And then he thought that he was ready to go and told reporters repeatedly, I'm going to play. His teammates all thought they were going to play. And then that afternoon, Utah's training staff said, nope, we don't like where you're at. So not a good decision to anger or incense the uh you know one of the top players in your team someone you hope to keep around long term as a franchise pillar so they better fire someone on the medical staff <laughs> before uh, the postseason ends but in any case no i'm staying away from mitchell I'm, I'm afraid that his minutes will be too limited too much rust
3: i actually just completely changed my mind this is going to be the and I'm, I'm being very serious this is going to be the first time we have seen A revenge game involving against his own player against his (laughs) own (laughs) own training staff. Like, if, like, if he's this is setting up to be Mitchell coming out and scoring 50 and being like, I told you guys we should be up 2 0. Are you happy now? And I could see him completely going berserk. I now I might use him. I you may have totally changed my mind, right? You got to think of it.
4: Even if his ankle is hurting, he's going to
3: play it off
1: like nothing's going wrong. Yeah, he's going to ball out, (laughs) Ryan. You scared me though. Now I'm thinking. Well, if they held him out game one, couldn't we easily assume there's some kind of minutes cap game two? That scares me. But I I see your narrative. I see your side of it, Steve. But I'm erring on the side of caution here. And the good news is it sounds like there's absolutely no incredibly awkward behind-the-scenes tension uh, in the Jazz training room. <laughs> so that's good.
3: <laughs> it's always something there, it seems like, yeah, right? At least
4: he's on good terms with Rudy now. So we, so we think.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Friday to react to the latest games and to preview the playoff weekend ahead. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to anyone who is watching live with us on YouTube. Ryan, Steve, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Matt.